Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike, along here with Luke A. I am here today. In our last episode, we're gonna announce not ever. It to the world. <laughs> I wanted to let that one just carry on yes. a little bit to see if people would freak out. No, not ever. Just the last episode in these two chairs against this gray wall with this little metal yeah, table with this little plant. Lego ship. We still trying the to figure out what is, what one is day the plan? I turned one day I turned to this table and said, "Who put this plant here? Like, what is the pl fake plant for? <laughs> it's for environment. We've got a new Listen, studio. We tried, okay? We tried to do something. We with it. look. We we had a beautiful studio pre COVID. We were in a closet. Pre COVID. Then, then we, we had, were in then a we had moved out here to try and separate a little bit, try and get a little more, so we weren't in a closet during a pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so, but now we've 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 taken another area in the office and we've created a brand new studio with a beautiful reclaimed wood yes. back background the wall set up we've got the lighting the lighting is fantastic i don't know if i want to say what else is in there because i kind of want people to tune in you've got to tune in yes to episode 250 ariel episode 250 to check out the new studio but i'm pretty jacked about yes. it. it's been exciting it's been a long time oh in the, my in the gosh it's been got, we got new mics it's been a journey to get we some got of joe this rogan stuff. mics we got the same mics that joe rogan and maybe Wait, that now literally we'll have sounded joe rogan like i was just gonna say that guest. literally sounded like and we have joe rogan like in addition to the reclaim <laughs> this one intro ball. has been a series of teases that ultimately yeah. <laughs> led nowhere <laughs> but our interview today absolutely does Leads not somewhere. lead <laughs> does not lead nowhere <laughs> Uh, no, this is a little bit of a teaser, but we got into a great conversation yeah, about one valuable. of the biggest pain points and challenges in sales and yep. in lead generation right now, which is the follow-up. Yep. We've talked to other people, we've interviewed other people, but we really focused in on the Facebook leads, right? And then the kind of the step-by-step -step process yeah. of how to follow up. Yeah. Everybody who's generating leads needs to know how do you call these leads? How do you close them? We're yeah. going to talk to an expert today. Like his company is an ISA company, an inside sales agent company. He has like 80 plus phone people that all day long they call and convert leads. And so he walks through kind of his process for converting I like this interview because we got a little nerdy. He yeah. was a, a former software engineer, yeah. so there's a lot of nerdy. So a lot of good there. stuff in here. But first, we would love it if you take a minute to subscribe to Stay Paid on Apple Podcast or Spotify if you're not already subscribed. And while you're there, drop us a review. Let us know how we're doing and we'll read it on the show. This review um, is kind of interesting. This is the first of its kind. This actually comes from an employee. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. This is from 12 Mir. Or MIR, M I R, 12 M I R. How do you know it's an employee? Well, well wait till I read the review. <laughs> you'll, you'll know very quickly. <laughs> the title is Helped Me Get My Dream Job. <laughs> Five stars. They say, I started listening to Stay Paid when I applied to work wow. at Reminder Media. As a total rookie in B2B sales, this podcast directly affected my knowledge and strategies to becoming a successful salesperson who felt inspired to finally be in control of my income. Who knew that the insights of Luke and Josh, certainly not us, uh, would <laughs> contribute to onboarding one of their newest West Coast reps. Wow. West Coast reps with a take action mentality. Thankful for their education and inspiration. That's awesome. Thank yeah, you. That's an awesome review. So I thought that one was pretty unique. 12 Mir. We got to uh, let us know who you are because yeah. we're not sure. We're not sure. <laughs> all right. So we're going to jump into this uh, episode all about lead follow up. Make sure to tune into this interview after the intro. From Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. 
All right, our guest today is Gus Castro. Originally from Mexico, Gus is a former Microsoft senior engineer turned real estate agent turned inside sales guru. He runs one of the largest inside sales teams for real estate in North America, Power ISA. That is 100 agents strong, making about 50,000 outbound dials a day and setting about 100 appointments with buyers and sellers every single day, mostly from realist, uh, Facebook leads for real estate. Yeah. With over 600 uh, active clients and annual revenue in the seven figures, Gus is passionate about helping business owners be successful through online marketing and lead follow-up and conversion. Gus, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks everybody. Glad, glad to be here. Very happy. Yeah, Gus, we're excited, man. I'm excited for this interview because lead conversion and lead follow-up are the, like, the pain point in the real estate industry. Like, How do you follow up? How do you convert? So I'm excited to pick your brain on that, but would love for you to just share a little bit of your story, right? So how did you get in? I mean, from engineer to inside sales guru, it's actually near and dear to my heart because <laughs> very similar. Yeah, most, most people don't realize like my degree was computer science. Yeah. I did software engineering uh, for, for a few years before I get, went on this journey of marketing and stuff. But um, I would love to hear kind of how did that Trans, how did that transpire? Like, how did you get from software engineer to where you're a leader of an ISA company right now? Yeah. So, well, you know, one, I, I, I'm glad you understand. That's kind of a, it's a little bit of a stretch, you know, but when you're in it, when you're in it, you know, uh, when I, when I got to choose a career, I grew up in Mexico, right? That's where I'm from on the border with the U S so I wanted to come to, to America. That was my, like one of my big life goals. And I saw engineering, it was the late nineties, early two thousands, the internet boom was at a hundred percent, right? Everything was going to get, the internet was going to eat everything. Right. So you better jump into that train. And I said, this train is going to get me to America. So I'm going to jump in and going to study engineering. You know, again, I was, I had some talent for it. I was, I was, I was okay at it. I was good at it. Um, enough to get recruited by Microsoft out of Mexico. Right. And, Seriously? you know, and I'm yeah. man. I made it right. And people don't remember this. This is a while ago for, for, the, for the young folks out there in the early 2000s, Microsoft was imagine Google plus Facebook plus IBM plus like, oh, that was Microsoft. It was the only game in town when it came to the Internet and computing and consoles and mobile phones and browsers. Uh, it was like the be all end all of technology at the time, at the time. Um, so I made it, man. I was, I'm set. I'm like, Hey, I made it to the U S man. I've got this amazing job. It pays me. A, how are we ever going to spend all this money? I became a minor celebrity in my town in hometown of Mexico. <laughs> I would go and give talks as a new employee. What the hell are you going to teach people? Right? Like, uh, you know, study hard kids, you know, it was like, it was, it was, it was funny. Um, but imagine my parents, man, I, you know, I mean, they, they weren't from the U S but they were like immigrant parents were like study hard yep. and, you know, get the degree and get the good job and like, stay there. Don't, you know, don't, don't Stability. mess it up. Right? A hundred percent. And that, that's what it was like. That was what it was like. And, you know, but, but you start noticing things, you know, for, for better or for worse. And I think everyone, when they're in their mid 20, early twenties, mid twenties, you start to get, you know, you start to see things, you start to feel things, you start to, to kind of realize, Hey, you know, I've got kind of the gift of gab. I can talk to people. I can, you know, I've got the, my, my engineering friends would make fun of me and they go, Oh, you're the networker, man. You go, you, you go talk to them, right? Hey Gus, can you help me with this? You know, you're, you, you like to talking to people. You're, you're like a, you're the, you're the talker. You can talk to anybody like a stranger. I would, I would have a better time going to meet people I didn't know, like to networking events and parties. And, and I would organize events, 
me and my brother would throw parties at the bar, you know, for, for our alumni network. And we were always doing those kind of things, guys. That was like the thing. And my engineering buddies thought I was insane. Like, yeah. why would you do that? So much work talking to people. Why would you do that? So, so, and then engineers have an, and tell me if I'm, if I'm, if I'm don't let me lie. They have a, like a deep distrust of salespeople. Like, oh my gosh. That. Well, that's not just engineers. That's like the world now. <laughs> the world. I don't know what it's up with. An engineer with sales skills are like, holy, what, there's something here that's wrong, right? Yep. We can't trust you. Inherently can't trust you. Um, and, and, and there were skills that weren't 100% appreciated where I was. And I stayed, and I didn't stay at Microsoft for like a year or two. I stayed for almost 10 years full time wow. at that company. And a great company, by the way, right? Just opened a lot of doors for me. But I realized that wasn't the end for me. It was a great beginning, it was a great opportunity. It got me to America, right? It opened all these doors, but that was, and it was a dream job. Right. It just didn't happen to be my particular dream, is what I realized. Like through a lot of, it sounds like it was a really easy decision. It was not, guys. It was not an easy thing to do. I didn't even tell my parents I left Microsoft until I was out. Like, hey guys, guess what? I'm, an agent, I'm a real estate agent now. And, and, and my wife is the one that had opened that door for me. She, she, joined, she was from Mexico too, joined me in Seattle. Um, and she got, as soon as she was able to work, like got like the paper that lets you work in the US for people that don't know that. Um, she, also an engineer, by the way, also an engineer by oh, training, wow. got licensed as a real estate agent. Like the first <laughs> thing she was able to do. I'm like, what? like, we just bought a home and she kind of saw that. He's like, wow, this is a lot of fun. And, and you know, and, and, but, and she came from, an entrepreneurial family. Like she had people in her background that all they worked for themselves, they had their businesses, they had their stores and they like worked and they had employees and they had all this stuff. And I didn't come from that. So I thought that, well, why are you doing that? And then I saw what she did and I saw what that was like. And I was like, man, this, and I, and I got licensed too. In 2010, I got licensed and I worked with her nights and weekends, part-time helping her out with this and that. And I started having more fun with my nights and weekends job mm. than I did with my, my, my cushy six figure software job. Right. Awesome. So there comes a time guys, you're going to have to figure this out. Everyone, this comes to each person in its own way. You got to decide, am I going to scratch this itch and, and go with this? Cause I have a talent for this. I'm good at this. I even did fundraising. I, I was so bored in my job. This is just reality that I did. I took a fundraising job with my alumni network. I said, <laughs> I'll, I'll do this. And I raised $300,000 by knocking on people's doors in my, throughout That's when Microsoft. you knew you had the gift of sales right there, raising 300 that, grand. So right there, man, a hundred, I was selling absolutely nothing. I would come with a brochure and I go, Hey, I need, I'm not leaving to give me a check for $10,000. That's why, you know, sales is so emotional. Day. You know what I mean? Sales it has so much a, emotion to it. It, it was a, the purest form of Figuring out the dream, connecting it with this project that was a nonprofit project was something for my school and scholarship and stuff. And I said, to make your dream come true, you got to give us money for this because we want the same thing you want, bro. And it was like that, man. I, I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but that's what it was. Connecting, connecting with people and prospecting. I didn't know I was doing it at the time. I would prospect my leads and I have a list and I'd call them and I'd knock on their door and, until they met with me, right? Because if, if I got in front of them, I could close those guys really easily, really easy, right? Now, did you um, translate you know, that? I'm curious though. Did you translate that immediately to the real estate business? So you're obviously now a real estate agent with your wife. Or did you immediately go, okay, I'm going to start door knocking for the real estate business, phone calling for the real estate business? 
So I did, but I prospected my database, which is what I did for that project. I didn't go and knock on anybody's door, yep. right? It was always someone that I knew that someone nice. knew and they knew me. And it was a little, it was some kind of network effect. So prospecting my network, I was very comfortable with. In real estate is when I discovered, oh, that's not the only thing you can do. Hold on, wait. And I, I tried door knocking and cold calling and all these other things. I, I learned on the job and yep. real estate. It didn't immediately translate. But that part of being fearless and talking to people right off the bat, that translated really, really well. I closed 30 deals my first year as a, as a rookie agent. Really? Nice. Uh, you know, like, yeah. And for me, that was like, that was not bad, right? Like, hey, this is, I, can, I can do this. I can do this. And I have never worked as hard as I did that first year in real estate. Ever, 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 ever. I had never done 80-hour weeks as a software engineer, like I'd never done, not even near, nothing close to that. And I did 80 hour weeks as an agent, as a newbie agent. Make it, making way less. Yeah. Or potential to, you know, not make as much. Well, you know, uh, well, you know, before expenses, like gross, I made way more than Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. And then I would have spent it in real estate, right? There's all, again, you're investing in the company. I would buy where, the next Where did most of your, conference. where did most of your deals come from though? Like your first year, was it cold calling? It was my sphere, my database. Yep. You know, I, I, I love and, you and saying that. Yep. that. And that came later. But but my first year, 100% uh, everyone that I knew. Yep. I called them all up and just said, hey, this is the hardest thing. That was hard to do and not, not super easy. But I knew I could do it. I knew I could do it. And I got out there because it was different selling a nonprofit project, like some kind of uh, uh, external thing, to saying, hey, work with me. So it was a, that was a big transition for me. It was a step. It was a getting out of my comfort zone. But I did it. And I was like, hey, that, it's now sink or swim. I'm out, I'm out of the mothership right? This is my business now. Uh, let's take this to the next level. Well, I think a lot of it for people who are listening, like the reason why you always work your sphere in, in the beginning of a business and, and should continue to work your sphere and can constantly add to that database is because sales has to have a bridge of trust. Like there has to be a level of trust for a transaction or something to exchange there. And the reality is your sphere is going to naturally trust you more. They're going to naturally give you a leverage point to actually build that trust, to get into that state where they actually look up to you and they can use your services and all that good stuff. So it just speeds up the process and it's the easiest people to work with. But what led you to starting the ISA company? So like you're okay. in real estate, how many years before you start this ISA company? So I went full-time in real estate in 2013. I took the plunge and I said, hey, I'm going to take six months off. That was my, that's how I sold it to myself. Six months off, sabbatical. Going to help my wife hire her first team, right? Build the team. Um, and then I'm going to go back. That was my original plan. And I just haven't, that, and that was uh, July, 2013. I haven't gone back, by the way. It's been a, it's been a good run. Not bad. Um, and, and we started with our database, with our sphere. So, and little by little, we incorporated more parts of the business. It was internet leads at first, Craigslist for the people that might remember that was a huge <laughs> thing in real estate back in the day, right. for essentially free leads. I got a VA from the Philippines. We just got away with it for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a little, that's true. I, I joined the business and a couple months later that was gone as, yeah. as a, like a free, quote unquote, free lead source. Right. So, and, and I, and I got, Oh, okay. These things don't last forever. Well, that's interesting, right? There's always something new you're always chasing. That was my first lesson in that, by the mm. way. Um, and then I tried Google pay-per-click and then smart targeting. And then, you know, I tried, again, I had money. I, you know, I was doing a pretty good job as an agent. I was trying all these different things, right? And then I stumbled upon uh, Inside Sales Agent, ISA. And, and I was in the Keller Williams system at that time. And they were huge on that. There was a lot of top producing teams that were using this ISA model. And they had teams of five ISAs, 10 ISAs, 15 mm. ISAs. I'm like, 
what, 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 what's this? What's this ISA thing? I went to a conference. I took a class on it. You know, I, and, you know, again, this is a school guy, right? So I was always like, well, give me more, give me more. And, and I went to coach with one of these top ISA teams. And I was like, oh, I get this now. And the thing that got my eye was it was very scalable. It was very scalable. And they, and there was a role within the team. They did, because most agents struggle to make their calls. I'll just be honest. Like yep. most salespeople, I guess, they really struggle to make their calls, especially in the, on the, in the real estate side. It's a challenge. You got to time block and you got to switch it up and you got to do this, do that to, tr- to mentally trick yourself into making your calls on, on a semi-consistent basis. It's a challenge, guys. So I saw this role. It was like, this is their job. This isn't someone that you have to cajole. I had agents under me at that point. I'm like, it's always have to figure out a way to make them to make their calls. This ISA, this is their job. This is what they do. So their mindset and their approach to calling was completely different, right? Because this is exactly what they're supposed to do. Sit down, be on the phone, prospect, and then prospect the database, and then call any inbound internet leads, and just do all the phone activities that, that the team was supposed to do. And, and I love that. And I, and, I, and I hired an ISA, brought them in. Within a month, they were setting 22 listing appointments for me per month. Wow. Within one month. Within one month. And again, this was a different market. This is not the market we're in right now. This is, uh, the market has changed. Back then, you could call expires all day and get a couple of listing appointments a day. It was not that hard. It was not yeah. that hard. It was just, you know, you know uh, uh, keeping people honest, right? That is what you could do back then. But, but I never had the time to do that, right? I'm like, and I suddenly had someone in that role. I'm like, holy cow, this is, this is interesting. This is pretty interesting now. And then, you know, uh, um, I, I only started doing Google pay-per-click for a bit. Before I said, you know what, this ISA thing, I bet I can build a team in Mexico, which is where I'm from, right? I, can, I bet I can build a team in Mexico uh, to do this for me and I can scale it faster and I can train them myself. I had learned how to train them, right? I had done a lot of the calling myself, you know, for people that are out of the Keller Williams system, there's this class called Bold. And I essentially broke every record in that class because I was so used to wow. picking up the phone. I could do a hundred contacts in a day, which they try to try to do a hundred contacts in a week in that class. Talk to hundred people in a week. With an ISA tool, you can do that in a couple hours, three, four hours, maybe. So I was like killing it in, in this class. Like, okay, I think I've got something to, to say. I think I've got something to do in this space. I think, I, I think I've picked it up. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to build a team in Mexico. I put that information out there to the universe. Hey, I'm going to go do this. And the craziest thing happened. People said, Gus, can you do that for me too? Mm. And you can you get someone, are you going to build a little call center there? You're going to do, I mean, just what's one more seat? Come on, man. Just get another person there for me. And four people did that. One of them, I, I couldn't, I wanted to say no to, and they like, Pushed me and pressed Gus, if you're gonna, man, you gotta do this. They called in every favor they had, and I they said, closed you. <laughs> they closed me. So, in real estate, like with most sales, you're always chasing the lead. You're always trying to make sure get that time with the client to get them on board to your to your product. I had never had a service in real estate, guys, where people were calling me and mm-hmm. finding out and like you know closing me and doing the hard close and pulling out all the stops. I said, okay, there's, there's a need here. That's why I stumbled into it, right? Like there's a, there's a big need here. The market really wants this. And these folks got together, they gave me $10,000, true story. Yeah. And they, so go do it, right? You know, I didn't have anything at the point at that moment, right? So go do it and set it up for us. I'm like, okay, let me go figure that out. Again, I'm going to take a couple months. I'm going to do this in Mexico and I'm going to come back. And the world has a funny way of, you know, inspiring. Uh, I went off, I did that. And I ran the ISA team at that point. I think it was five people we had at that point um, for a little while. 
in a little while. And I was going back between, you know, between Seattle and Mexico. And then that just, and then it just blew up from there. I got uh, two people more, three people more, five people more. And then I started spending more time on the ISA team and, and improving and measuring and training the ISA team much more than I did my own team. So I took the plunge like full time into ISA a year later in 2016. So I started that team in Mexico in 2015. And I went all into that by summer of 2016. So less than a year later, um, I was like, let's see where this, let's see where this can go. That's let's awesome. see where this can go. And that whole year, I still called my database in real estate, by the way. <laughs> I, closed 20, I closed 22 transactions by not living in Dang, America. Man. Well, how so, big, how big is the company today? Like uh, how many ISAs do you have and stuff like that? How- I have 106 full-time employees. Wow. Of which about 23 are staff. So ISAs, you do the math there. It's like yep. 80, 70, 70 something ISAs. That's so, amazing. Some of those man. are trainees. Um, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not on campaigns hundred percent, Sure, but it's a big that, ISA team. It's that's a big amazing, ISA team. man. That's congrats. That's really, really impressive. Yeah. yeah. So let's yeah. dig into it. How do you, um, you know, you, you said your team setting a hundred appointments a day. What are the things that you've learned? How did you get from, you know, uh, setting up that team to being able to make 50,000 calls? What are the things that you've learned along the way to be successful in setting appointments? I think the number one thing, whenever we look at it as a campaign, right? You know, we, you never, you know, because I've had to solve problems for 100 ISAs that no one has to solve, right? This is kind of like, a, that's a little bit out there for, for folks. But I look at it at the individual campaign level. How do you get a successful campaign off the ground? Um, number one, it starts with the lead source. And that is one of the, as much as the ISA is important and their scripting and their training, if they're calling a really low converting lead source, you're never going to get there and your, and your expectations are mismatched. You're never going to get where you want to be. That's number one thing. If you're doing true cold call, like calling the neighborhoods, you're going to get one, maybe two qualified leads a day, right? If, you're, if they're just pounding the phone all day, if they're calling Zillow leads and realtor.com leads, like really, really high quality real estate leads, they can get one to two appointments a day. Maybe actually we have ISAs to do four appointments a day. Because they're calling really high quality leads. Mm. They're highly motivated. They're down in the funnel, right? right. They are going to do something in the next three, four, maybe six months. That is now time in real estate. That means now. I got to talk to you right away because someone's going to get you, right? Yep. So as long as you design a campaign with the right lead source, man, an ISA can be tremendously successful as long as all of those pieces are, are put in together. In Where right does place. Facebook rank in your lead source quality? Okay. Well, oh, those are fighting words, right? Because this is, this is there's some debate uh, uh, in this in the industry, right? So I would, if I'm going to put it, uh, the engineers coming out. If I put on a spectrum, right? You know, like like the highest converting to lowest converting, highest. I'm still going to put the portals, mm. Zillow.com, the Zillows, the the Trulias, the right. Realtor.com, all these things. Because the intent yes, is there. They, they're the most expensive. They are still the highest converting lead. We can convert. Uh, Zillow leads at almost 50% to appointment, almost wow. half of them, right? They'll, they'll convert, right? So it's, it's, it's still a high quality lead source. It's also priced appropriately. It's priced appropriately, right? Some of those lead sources are 200 bucks a lead, like mm. two, 300 bucks a lead. They can, and they can charge that any, all day long because right. they know it's good. And some of the lead sources charge a 35% referral fee. So yep. you got to be aware of that, right? Because as soon as someone starts charging you 35% off the top, 
like before expenses, like then you work for them. Right? That's something people kind of need to understand, right? So that's on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, you know, mid and towards the end are going to be the, you go to the platforms, Google platform, Facebook platform, YouTube platform. The conversion rates are going to be lower for those. Why? Because typically people aren't those, especially social media, they're not on social media to buy a home. They're not as further down the funnel normally uh, than the Zillow and the Trulia folks are, right? So, but, 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 I am a numbers guy, right? And numbers don't lie. If I can purchase 100 Facebook leads for what it costs me to buy one Zillow lead, one Zillow lead, then if I work those leads like, like, I'm, like a madman, I am going to make a much higher ROI on the money I make, I put into faith into, into sites like Facebook. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make bank. I'm gonna I'm gonna get I can get a 10x return on my investment. Yep. Very difficult. I'm not gonna say impossible, very difficult to get that kind of a large return on some of these portal sites. They are priced appropriately now. It's mm-hmm. not like it was uh, 10 years ago yeah. when I joined the industry. <laughs> Is well, there a third tier? You kind of mentioned the first tier uh, being I, the portal. I, I, I would put Google somewhere in the middle. I would okay. put Google in the middle of that. They're, okay, they're not as low converting as the Facebook leads, and they're not going to be like like Zillow and uh, and uh, and Realtor.com. So so Google is somewhere in the middle. It does tend to be closer to the social media than people think. Yeah. Uh, they still convert maybe at one percent to transaction, two percent uh, if you do it at a high high level. One uh, percent to two percent, and and Facebook is going to be less than that. What less than one percent? Uh, typically, typically of a hundred, you know, people who generate online, uh, but the cost is way less. Than Are Google. you seeing Google more expensive than Facebook? Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it, it can be more expensive. It can be ten times more expensive than than Facebook and some you of these have markets. To have someone there but the conversion yeah. rate isn't going to be ten times higher. That's that's something. Yeah, that's why it's so important to know your numbers, guys. Mm. I, people assume that Google, since it's ten times more expensive than Facebook, it's ten times better. Like, going, ah, it could be twice as good <laughs> for the most part. Uh, it's very saturated. A lot of competition on Google. That's the problem. Is yeah. there any, uh, before we jump, I know yep. Luke, you have a question, but is there any like up and coming lead sources that you're starting to see? Like what sort of, you know, if you had your prognosticator hat on, is there anything TikTok? that you're seeing? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think the one that a lot of people are moving to uh, jumping on is YouTube. YouTube, it is a different game. It's hard to do, right? There's a lot of content. The, the creation is a little bit more of a barrier to entry for the creation. Uh, but I think that's another one people are going to try to figure out. Still very high cost for acquisition. It's, it's one of the more expensive ones right now, uh, just the way the economics work. And you have to produce some decent content for it, right? So a little bit of a barrier to entry YouTube. I think that one's going to get better as, as the, the more realtors jump on and more marketing agencies help it make it easier and all these things, right? So YouTube, I've got an eye on YouTube for sure. TikTok uh, is really amazing. Um, I don't think they have anything like a lead platform yet, uh, the way these other uh, tools do. But as a pure content play, uh, people get deals off of TikTok all the time. It yep. amazes me what good of a lead source it is. It's just not a paid ads, you know, pay per lead kind of model. And it's not yet. Yeah, it's coming. You know, it's coming. Well, we sure. just had, we oh, just interviewed Glenda sure. Baker. She had eight deals from TikTok. Mm-hmm. Just people uh, yeah. jumping in her comments the, saying, the I want to do The people that get, they get uh, TikTok, they get it. They understand the demo on there and they know how to get people's attention. Uh, oh, they're killing it on, on TikTok. Yeah, and, and, but, you know, a lot of people just don't get it, right? <laughs> they're like, what? This is silly. If that's your approach, probably not going to do really well on TikTok. But I mean, it's as a, as a pure content organic play, there's nothing better. I can't think of anything better. Maybe Clubhouse in that same vein. It's unique. It, if you, it can play to your skills if you have that kind of skill set. And it's an amazing organic, you know, yep. a, a way to find leads. and, and It's and a deals. great way to Again, find referral partners. Clubhouse. Oh, absolutely. Yep. 
It's the question on every real estate agent's mind. How do I get leads? Lead magnets entice prospects to give you their contact information in exchange for something they find compelling. Discover the best practices and strategies for creating a lead magnet with our free ebook, Lead Generation for Real Estate Agents. Successful internet marketers routinely use lead magnets to grow their email lists, and with this resource, now you can too. Go to ReminderMedia.com slash lead generation and download this free resource today. That's ReminderMedia.com slash lead generation. Take action on this today. Question for you, because you said the conversion for Facebook, less than 1% is what you're seeing on average for you guys, about less than 1%. And I would say... So a, uh, a listing appointment or a deal every 100 leads is what you're saying right and now? That, and that, for sure, in that range, okay. 100%. Yep. And this is, you know, by putting a... And I'm talking about lead forms, like the least friction, the easiest, I can set this yeah. ad up in, in a couple hours, what's boom, the I'm cost online, a hundred of those, those leads. What, what, what's the cost per lead that you're seeing for Facebook? For Facebook, it, it varies a lot. It can be a couple pennies in, in the smaller cities, not that saturated. Yep. It can be five, six, seven dollars a pop in the yeah. Seattle's, the San Diego. Yeah, what, what are we seeing? Um, Same range. I mean, we've yeah, seen anywhere from say. four dollars to twelve dollars, yeah, depending on the yeah, level. Yeah. of Yeah. So the, the more saturated, high high end markets are going to be in that ten dollar range. But a lot of markets, a lot of good solid markets, are going to be in that under five dollar range. You can yeah. still find leads, uh, uh, you know, high volume leads yeah. under that five dollar range. But here's the thing: this is what I tell folks when I talk about Facebook. Um, you know, the way to bump up your conversion rate on Facebook is make it harder for the lead to get to you. Add that friction, right? Don't be afraid to do it. And this goes for any marketing, you know, funnel, right? Sure, yeah. The more friction you put in that funnel, you're going to get up a highly, quali- a more qualified lead. You're but get your, a more cost, qualified. your cost goes up at that point because less your, people your are going to be submitting. Your, your, well, your cost per lead goes up. Your yes. cost per lead goes up. If it actually Converse. increases your conversion rate, <laughs> you can convert them at more than 1%. Less than, like, yeah. Instead of 0.5%, thing- it's 1.5%. Then, then your cost per acquisition actually goes down. Yeah, the thing I like about the the massive lead generation though side is that you are stacking your database, and if you have a good nurture system with emails going, print going, whatever, right? If you have a good, then you're you're constantly growing a database, and you can watch the open rates and see who's engaging and all that good stuff. So let's talk about tactics because I love that. So you know, if people are thinking about this, they're going, okay, I'm going to spend anywhere between four bucks to twelve bucks on a lead for Facebook you know, I'm maybe going to convert a little less than 1%. That gives some guidelines for people from some averages. How many times should they be calling Facebook leads? Walk us through some of your tactics there. Like, how do I increase my conversion? How do I close these people? And, and, you know, this is what we we measure this very close. I mean, this is my business, right? This is what we do. So I'm always looking at the pulse of these, of, uh, uh, of this conversion number, right? So like broad numbers, broad numbers, this is an average across the whole US, right? So this is, and this is, and this is useful for most folks. Um, We do 12 touches, 12 attempts, and this is split between calls and text, like equally split between Mm -hmm. calls and text messages. Got it. Uh, Which is what we found out to work the best. We alternate between the two. Give the lead a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a breather and, and to mix it up a little bit. So six calls, doing, six texts. Six calls, six texts. We're alternating those within the first 30 days. Not okay. within the first day or the first week. It's a little <laughs> bit too much. Uh, within the, it, it does, it does slide away. It's, it's going to be three attempts the first day. And then you're going to do like one, uh, going to be alternating like one, 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 and then alternating one every couple of days. It's, it's a sliding scale. You start intense up front. because That's the highest chance of, of, of contact right yep. up front. But there's a long tail to this. Within the first 30 days, if you do those 12 touches, on average, we talk to half of those leads. 
Okay. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't want to exaggerate. We, we get a response from 50% of them. Okay. We're, we're, they, they engage us, engagement yeah. rate, right? Some they, of it might be F you, stop, stop contacting me. Uh, absolutely <laughs> right. right? So you're, you're, I see you're a practitioner. Right? That's yes. exactly what you do. Especially on those texting. Texting is intimate for a lot of people. Like, hey, whoa, I, I didn't let you slide in my DMs. What are you doing there, right? Yeah. So, okay, I get it, I get it. Um, but, but that's, uh, I tell people, because a lot of complaints I hear about Facebook leads is, oh, they're, they're the worst. They never pick up. Like, yeah. They're like a bunch of garbage. They're going, are you anywhere close to those 12 touches? Well, no, not really. Well, then get to that and then we'll talk. Because yes. as an average and across America and Canada, I can talk to half of our lead, the leads. If you send me 100, I'm going to... I'm going to engage with 50% within 30 days. Yep. Amen. I, I agree with you, man. When people are complaining usually about the leads, it usually means you haven't contacted them enough. It's because naturally when you're, you're not raised as a per, usually as a human being to talk, to try to touch somebody 12 times within a certain amount of time, if they haven't responded, right. like you yeah. naturally feel like you're intrusive. Hey, what would it be like? Yeah, yeah. You naturally feel like you're annoying and stuff like that. And it's like, get over it. You have value that you're bringing mm -hmm. to the table. Right. And you've got to you've got to have that mindset that I have a value proposition that I'm bringing to the table that I can help this person with. And if you have that mindset, you're going to win all day. Um, so, OK, so they're making your 12 touches over the course of 30 days, three up front. Um, then you alternate the next three to six and then you do another three spread out near the end of the 30 days. Uh, any Correct. emails Correct. or just text and phone calls? Any emails? No emails. No emails. Um, you know, I think not even I, to look yeah, and I'm see a, if they've engaged. I'm an email marketer. Yeah, I'm an email marketer. You know, I I have a list and I have a newsletter. I do all those things. We just don't use it for that initial contact. We don't how, use email. Any any reason why? Just because you haven't done it, or did you find it? Oh, hurt we did. It? Uh, I, we, yeah, and we actually measured this really, really closely. This was this was a couple of years ago. Now we did equal parts: calling, texting, and emailing. At one point, in yeah. my company. So I looked at it. Let's look at 500 appointments. And let's see what that looks like, right? So, and this is again, we're looking about the first 30 days and and converting the hottest leads within the first 30 days. I don't want I don't want to say that it, this is really really specific, right? So for that first 30 days, and and the goal is the appointment, right? That's what you want. We saw that less than one percent of appointments came from email. It was like yep. almost a rounding error for that purpose. For that purpose, it was 80 percent calling. They came through the phone call, and 20 percent of them we could set the appointment via text message. Wow. That number has changed, you know, dramatic because of texting, right? This is a couple texting has only taken more of that, right? Yep. Nowadays, we just measured this this year. We are more likely to convert a lead that texts us first than anything, right? So we've bumped. I mean, we're doing that even more now, right? So, so, so texting is and, and it's increasing. It's going to eat the world. It's it's changing for sure. The demographics are changing. It's sure. shifting. Yep. But I, but but phone, right? It's like you know when I was knocking doors at Microsoft. If I can have a conversation with someone, it's e very difficult for them to ignore me. Yeah, that's still going to be the best converting activity. It's not not every, you're not going to be able to get everyone on the phone first. They're going to want to text you, vet you. Like, why do you want to call me? Yeah. Like, well, I don't even my I don't even call my mom. Why do you want to get me on the phone? You know what's going on with this? And you explain you you, you have a, a sexy hook you got to throw out there. Yep. And they're like, oh, okay, I'll get on the phone with you. What's an that's, example? That's conversion. What's a hook? So, Right now, in the market that we're in uh, for real estate, because people don't know, it's a crazy seller's market out there. Hey, you know, I just wanted to talk to, you know, uh, hey, you know, I got your message to Facebook, you know, uh, uh, Luke, uh, you want you have time to chat right now or you want to text? Oh, you know, um, I, I don't think I have any time for a phone call. You know, just let me know what you've got, you know, whatever. I go, oh, great. You know, I wanted to chat with you real quick because, you know, I've got a couple of off-market properties on my list here and I wanted to chat and get more information about your needs to see if those match your criteria because they go fast, my man. So when you have a time for a five-minute phone call, 
and they might be ringing you, you know, as soon as you've said <laughs> that, right? In this market, in the market that we're in. No, I so love that. Yeah. kind of hook. Yeah, that's the same. So we were on a call, a coaching call with some of our clients about following up with Facebook leads. And my brother, he's a, uh, an agent. He's actually with Keller Williams himself in Virginia. Cool. And he does a lot of Facebook leads too. And that's one of the hooks he's using right now oh, is yeah. I have some off-market properties because the seller's market, I mean, listings are so hard to come by and there's the inventory is so low. So I love that. It gets people intrigued. All right. So I want to stay kind of on this vein of you're, you're calling 12 times. You're trying to get them on the phone. It's just texting a uh, phone call. Email. I'm surprised email. You didn't even see a correlation of influence with email where it's like, well, people who got emails, even though they didn't close an appointment through it, it influenced the appointment of text oh, and phone. Okay. And that's why I, I try to qualify to go. We, we looked at a really specific time frame, those yeah. first 30 days. And, and also the part of the process that we own, which is the conversion, the interaction, the follow-up, because 99% of the leads that they come to us get placed on some kind of automatic, um, like email drip. Okay, uh, good. Uh, listings for, so I, it's almost like we were, we were not adding any value by adding additional emails on top of that because they weren't location specific. They gotcha. weren't like in the market. That makes sense. So yep. that, that kind of email, the one that we could generate at, at a national scale was not moving the needle, which kind of makes sense, right? It's yep. not hyper-local. It's not listing focused. Um, it, it was not helping. I am huge on email marketing. I think it's, you know, like list building and, and it's, it's an audience. Yep. Audience building and emailing to that, I think it's huge. Uh, but in that specific case for ISA, uh, it didn't add a ton of value. I agree 100% with you. Like, I would encourage everybody, if you're listening to this, you are not going to close deals through emails. Right. Like, this is the same in our business. Like, we tell our callers all the time, you're not going to sell the marketing product through an email. You're just not. You got to talk to these people. But it's a good, under, like, a trigger of understanding of interest. So, like, um, mentioning my brother when we were on this last call, he was explaining the, the thought process that if I see someone has at least opened an email I've sent them, I can now grade them in my mind a little higher to know, hey, this person at least is looking at my email, so I'm not going to stop calling. I'm just going to call them till I get them on the phone. So when you get them on the phone, what's like your tactics to actually get it to an appointment? Absolutely. So great, great, great question. I already kind of teased it over in the other question that you got to have that hook. You got to have something of tremendous value that it's a no brainer that they're going to meet with you. Right. Because the bottom line is they don't want to meet with you. Right? Correct. I mean, you know, Luke and Josh, I mean, I don't think this is a surprise. They don't want to meet. No one wants to meet with you. I've got people trying to call me, you know, a couple of people that I want to meet with that I haven't gotten back to. They want, I want to meet with these guys. I just haven't had, I'm busy. I haven't had time to actually get back to them. Right. So, so even people I want to meet with, I don't have time for, and you know, and there's a pandemic going on and there's everything going on. Uh, it's hard for people to focus and hard to people to like give you the time of day. You've got to give them a really awesome reason. Uh, to meet with you. And it's just value first. It sounds very, you know, cheesy, like, oh yeah, of course, guys have a great offer. Well, yeah, it is about having a great offer. <laughs> and 90% of the agents out there just don't get that in real estate. They think it's about them. They think it's about how awesome it is to work for them, buy or sell with me, you yep. know, uh, and, and they don't make it 1000% about what it feels like to be a buyer in this market or conversely seller in this market. What are my concerns? What are my dreams? What are yep. my fears? Right? What are my what are my aspir What are my questions that I have? And you gotta be the solution to that. Yep. You gotta be the solution to that, hundred percent. And even then, right? I'm talking about Facebook. 
nine out of 10 are going to say they don't want to meet right now because they're a year out. That's a great reason not to meet with someone right off the bat, by the way. It's a great reason. If they're a year out or more, probably not a good use of time to meet with them right away. One out of 10, uh, we, we can tease it out of them that, you know what, actually it would be interesting to meet with you right now. So one out of 10 is a solid conversion rate for us. And if you add more friction into your funnel, it can be two out of 10, three out of 10, four out of 10, because you're, you're getting more, a more qualified lead, if that yep. makes sense. How many different hooks or I don't want to say scripts, but I'm sure you've got like scripts and you sound like a, you sound, I love it, man. You're testing. We love testing. You're testing everything. 100%. Um, how, are you doing that just based off of like organic? Okay. The market's shifting. Let's try some new things. Or are you intentionally sprinkling, sprinkling in new text messages and intros on your phone calls just to see if, if one has legs and then you can kind of scale it from there? Yeah. So, you know, this, the engineer is going to come out here. You know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a operator. I make things efficient. I am not an innovator. I don't want people to think, Oh man, I got, I thought of this new script and I put it in there. We find these in the wild. We learn them through master classes. We buy them from the, some of the top coaches and we test them out. We bring mm, them in, you know, awesome. something as silly as, you know, making all of our tech, we just redid all of our texting at the end of last year because it was, it looked too scripted. Mm. And it was like, it was just not working, right? It was not, the conversion was going down. The carriers were blocking some of our text messages because they came up too salesy or they used wrong. All the keywords set off the Twilio, all that fun stuff, right? Yep. So we redid a lot of our scripting, made it simpler, put some typos in there because apparently that, that ended it. up working. The typos, <laughs> the kids were right. Like my, my, I say this, I go, bro, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put in the typos. We do that with email subjects sometimes. We'll just type <laughs> oh, the exact same principle. It's, it applies. It's, it's the same story, right? Just told in a new medium. Um, those things help, right? You know, we always look for these things in the wild and when we see something that looks interesting and it comes from like a source that like knows what they're talking about. We're going to implement it and going to see what we see on our end. Um, but we're always fishing for those ideas. Always, That's always, so always. If, if you're, what advice would you give to a solo agent doesn't have a big team, doesn't have ISAs working behind them. Cause uh, about numbers, tracking your numbers. Is there, is there a software, is there a program you recommend? Is it simply just Excel and just diligence of tracking everything? What would you recommend to that solo agent that they use to start tracking this? Cause we need, everyone needs to track their numbers, but so few people do. A hundred percent. So man, I got that. Yeah, this is one of those topics, right? Like I could go off for an hour about this. I only ever used Excel. Okay. Or sheets or kind of whatever, you know, is your, I'm a Microsoft guy, right? So I use Excel. <laughs> um, so that's what I used. And it was the easiest to maintain, the easiest to fill out, right? And the easiest to like pick it up and just keep going the next day. Um, that for me was the, I had to make that efficient. I had to, because I had all other things to do, right? I didn't, until I started generating internet leads, I didn't even use a CRM. I'm just being 100% honest mm. with you guys. I didn't even, use, and I'm a software guy. Mm. You'd think <laughs> I would have automated everything, right? No, no. Until I started generating internet leads at a higher level, I didn't have a need for a, for a fancy CRM that told me what to do every day because that's what they do. You log into your CRM. What are my calls I need to make today? Right, yeah. What are my, you know, who are my top most active leads from yesterday, right? You're talking about who opened the last email, who, who went and searched some, I looked at properties today. That makes sense. Before you're at that level, we're spending money and you need to spend thousands of dollars, guys. This is not a small investment. Let me just try it at least a little bit and then, and then pick up from there. That's you so got to have the bankroll to put the money into it. Three to six months, minimum, minimum in the bank uh, or coming along. It's, you're going to be in the bank to really make that happen. Mm. And so people have to start with this, with their database with the open house leads, with the door knocking leads, which I love door knocking, by the way. Every listing I got would give me another listing, almost another listing 
through door knocking. Door knocking is amazing. I hate COVID. That kind of sucked. It's coming back, guys. I mean, agents, <laughs> keep, try it again uh, because all that stuff works, guys. You know, and that's, I don't, I'm not, and they're not free leads, but you got a listing, right? In this market, a listing should be generating another two transactions for you because it's so hot. If you have mm. a listing, that should be generating another two transactions, one on the buy side and one on the list side because the market's so hot for listings right now. So yeah, I know that's a long-winded answer to your question, man. I love that. Um, so I'm curious on the whole script thing, right? Is that I've, I have found with like real estate, it's very much discovery based calling where it's like, I'll give you kind of the counter, like with our business here at Reminder Media, we're presenting a solution to a pain point you have. And a lot of times our script will be like, Hey Gus, and I'll reference off a little bit of leverage, you know, X, Y, Z, maybe it's your manager had us out to the office or something like that. Hey, did you happen to catch it? No, you didn't. Hey, let me frame up for you in 30 seconds how I can help you with this. And I give you my 30-second elevator pitch, and you're either hooked in or you're not, and then we can discuss. In real estate, I find it to be way more discovery phase in the beginning, like, you know, hey, did you find the house you're looking for? Hey, well, what's the reason you would want to move there? Well, how many bedrooms? Like, it's very question-driven. Have you found that to be true with your ISAs? Like, your scripts are very question oriented to try to get the prospect talking. Can you give us a flavor of how you're doing those phone calls? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question, right? So, and, and you know, 100%. I mean, I, you could have, you know, taken the words out of my mouth. I think our scripts are something like 80% questions, 90% okay. questions. It's about, so there's two things, so there's two main things we train people on, right? Because one, the script is actually a very simple script. We're not trying to close a deal then and there. It is a month's long sales cycle. Usually the closer is your agent, the person you're working for, right? So you're not going to have to do that uh, close, like setting them up for the presumptive close. You don't do that as an ISA. That's not really what you do. But what you do is you have to fill out that questionnaire. But, but there's a challenge to that as well, right? These people do not know, like, and trust you. You're talking to them for the first time ever. So it is all about building rapport, and demonstrating some genuine interest. That is the game. So when we interview folks for the position, when we train them, we need to figure out that they have, they can show some genuine curiosity, which can come through enthusiasm, through something that we call power phrases, right? Or like when someone says, hey, you know, uh, where, where are you looking to move next? Oh, I'm looking to move to, you know, Mill Creek. Well, that's awesome. That's a power phrase, right? So we, we, when we, and we can measure that again, the engineer coming out, we measure this. <laughs> I love that. We call it ISA QA score, right? One of the, and there's 10 things we measure in each phone call. One of them is uh, power phrases, your use of power phrases, right? And then another one is like, can you answer, can you handle objections? The other one just the positive and upbeat tone, right? Yep. And then the other one is going to be genuine interest. When they give you an answer, this is unscripted. This is not in the script. When they yep. give you an answer, be curious about it. If the answer is out of the ordinary, oh, that's interesting. Why is that? You know, yeah. it's just to show, just, just to be like, again, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like being a human, right? You know, you know, <laughs> when you're talking to someone you're interested in, you're going to want to know why they're saying some things. Because if you just read the questionnaire, your conversion rate is low and it's going to get lower. It's, yep. You're never going to get to that one out of 10 if you're not putting some effort into it. You're not doing it at a high level. I mean, you're not building rapport. You're not showing empathy. You're not showing genuine interest. You're not even going to get to that one to 10 people because here's the reality. If you talk to seven random people in America, one of them is going to be involved in a real estate transaction this year. If you talk to seven random people in America, one of them is going to do something in real How estate. How crazy or is that? Someone doing something in real estate. That's crazy, yeah. right? So it's not about just talking to enough people. 
It is the people that are in front of you. Are they going to open up and tell you what they're going to do? Yep. Are they going to trust you within 30 seconds? Right. You, you have that ability, you have that skill set. You get a little bit other people's skin, get a little bit uh, of being friendly enough or helpful enough or provide enough value to where they're going to go. Well, actually, yeah, I am thinking of doing something in the next six, 12 months. I might be right. Yeah. Let's, yeah, this is actually what, this is what I'm going to do. Okay, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Cause you can really help me. So, so that is the, the name of the game, but you're totally right that it is a qualification strip for the most part at that early stage, the qualification strip, hundred percent. Yeah. Very discovery based is what I have found. It's very like, um, like, and it's so interesting, the different styles of sales and the different textures, like in our business, if we ask too many questions, people are going to bang on us because we're wasting their time. They want us to get to the point. Like if I call you a real estate agent, you want me within 30 seconds to say how I can help you and why it's worth your time versus me going, well, have, you know, how long you've been thinking about marketing? You know, like uh, what you've been thinking about in marketing, right? You know, (laughs) exactly. So it's like, you got to know, but I think a critical point for people to understand is like, you got to know from a style standpoint, this, that's why I wanted to go down the road is I wanted the audience to know if you're calling on real estate right now, it is really heavy rapport building and it's discovery phasing to try to earn that appointment. And there is going to be a time where you do your value proposition, you close, right? But yes. in your ISA type calls, it's more discovery and rapport building. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I, I agree with you. I agree with that statement. It is, it is, you know, about rapport building, you know, and building that trust to get to that first step. There's multiple conversions you're going to make. Yep. Convert to appointment first. Convert the signed client. That's a close. That's a close. Convert to signed client, either signed listing or signed buyer. And then in this market, there's a third conversion you got to make, guys. You got to coach your your buyer into winning that bidding war mm. that is got to convert them into a winning buyer. I, t- I, I coach agents that way and going, you got to look at it that way. You have to have the scripts and the objection handlers to get them to put that winning offer. Yep. So how many calls a day do your ISAs make? Uh, well, this is also depending on the lead source, right? Because sure. my cold calling prospecting ISAs, depending on the dialer, it can be a 500 calls a day. It can be 2000 calls a day. Are they on um, a dialer but, system? They're on yeah, if they're, if they're on a campaign that uses a dialing system, they're yep. going to be in that automation kind of space. Yep. If they're calling Facebook leads, right, we're, we're, we avoid automation with the Facebook leads because it's not, you know, they're actually high quality leads. You yep. want to try and maximize the connection rate with every one of them. Um, they're going to be on a single line dialer um, and they're going to, and we have systems to help them like, get through that quickly. So, so on Facebook, which is the slower end of the spectrum, Probably 150 to 200 calls a day in that range. Again, less calls means more appointments. They had better conversations. So we don't, we're not super strict on that on the Facebook side because uh, we understand if you have, if you connect and you have that empathy and have that connect, genuine connection, you're going to make less calls. We want to look, uh, the, the, we also want to see more conversions because of that. What's your speed to lead? Do you have that calculated? Like what's your average speed to lead? And, and has that made a major impact in contact rates and ultimately appointments? Yeah. Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. It does. And I think for speed league, when it comes to texting, you guys know, as soon as it comes in, the text message is out almost before they're out there. I think speed to lead for the first phone call, it depends on the, like the time, right? If, it, if a lead comes in at night, we're going to call the next morning. So I, I don't count those as a speed to lead. I'd say when folks come in during work, like time when our IRCs are there, 7 a.m. Central time, like 11 p.m. Central time, Typically going to be about 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. Um, you know, it doesn't go in within the first 30 seconds. And our texting is kind of designed for that. Like, yeah. hey, you know, do you want to like text or do you want a quick phone call? And then if they don't respond to that, we're going to call them anyway, right? They're going to call them a little bit after that. Um, you know, we, we don't call people within the first like 10 seconds or 30 seconds. 
Um, uh, we're going to call within the first few minutes. And then it's all about the follow-up and yep. the consistency and trying to contact. Love no, that. I love it. So, so many valuable, so many valuable tips if you're practically trying to call yeah, today. Man. So I love that. So let me ask you this, because we ask all the successful people who come on is, you know, Josh and I are super focused on like, what are the routines? What are the things that you have to implement in your life to become successful? And just like you, we're not, we don't feel like we have to innovate the next routine or something. We want to look at what successful people are doing. So I'd love to ask you, like, when you look at your life, are there any routines that you've implemented, any things that you've kind of done consistently that you think have been a part of your success in the life that you're living? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as I've progressed in my career, I started in a room with five ISAs. That's where I started, right? And in the, like, physically in the room with them. Now, you know, I work virtually. I'm a, I'm a location-dependent, you know, entrepreneur. That's awesome. And all of my company is the same now, right? So I've, I definitely, you know, it's, it's changed uh, every single time, uh, you know, but I think the things that have helped me out when I was first starting out, when you're starting any kind of, you know, business, uh, you got to grind. And you got to eat the frog early in the morning. That always helped me. Put your toughest yes. activity first thing in the morning, get it out of the way. Make, it, make those prospecting calls, make those follow-up calls, call, I mean, make those calls, prioritize that activity that's going to drive your business, right? Lead generation and lead conversion. That is setting appointments, taking appointments. I mean, if, uh, I think the sooner you realize that, and this is the same for, I think, pretty much any sales-based business, right? Uh, as soon as you realize that, you're going to focus on that and make it happen first thing in the day. As my business has grown, and now that I have a large team, my job is shifting from making appointments, you know, taking appointments to building a team and yeah. managing my team and leading and, and strategy. And it's, it's a different set of activities I have now than I had five years ago. So now one of my key things I do every single day, every single day, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., I'm not a super early riser, by the way. Um, I'm going to go take a walk. I'm going to go out. I am going to turn off all my notifications on my phone. I take my phone with me because I'll listen to a podcast. I'll just leave it there, um, you know, for emergencies or whatever. Um, but I'm going to go take a walk and there is nothing. Maybe if my wife and kids are in danger, I'll stop. Maybe, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, but nothing's going to stop me from taking my walk, man. And I go around a little lake that's near my house. So I'm like, ah, is that, to, is that to clear your mind and to think? A hundred percent. Because I I get bombarded. Dude, that's every so interesting. Day. The same way you guys do. Bombarded by the next problem, the next fire, uh, yep. you know, the urgency. There's always something in the business trying to take your attention from the truly important, right? The true, not the urgent. The separating the urgent from the important uh, is a challenging uh, a task for any entrepreneur. So the bigger well your said. business gets. The, the, your role changes to a strategic, more leadership role. It's hazardous to be caught into the urgent. It's not good for you, right? It's going to delay and it's going to restrict the business. If you're always putting out fires and you're not thinking about strategy. For me, that one hour that I spend walking around, I'm going to move it to jogging at some point. I just walk. It's okay. Um, and it, but it clears my mind and it gets me ready to go in more like Zen, right? Okay, great. The boulder and the pebble make the same, you know, <laughs> the, the same wave, right? At that point, at that point, if I get up and I'm just start reactive and just responding to everybody, I'm never, I'm going to do that all day. I know myself. I'm just not going to be productive. That's awesome. It's so well said. It's so interesting. I literally uh, just had a podcast today where I was being interviewed on and I was telling the person a very similar thought, which is. Now where Reminder Media is, our company, Josh and I's company is today, I said one of the hardest things is just realizing that it used to be that I would pick up the phone and call people to sign them up. And now it's like, you got to actually schedule time to think. 
And one of the art forms that you have to learn as you're growing the business at this level is how to say no to things and how to say yes to the right things. And it's such a different skill set that it might sound corny to some people listening that I really program in a walk every day to, to clear my mind. But at different levels of business, there are insanely important things. This is when you get to the level of like Jeff Bezos and like Warren Buffett, you hear them talk about they make one decision a day type <laughs> idea. And you're like, I don't even know. I don't even comprehend that because I'm not even close to that level. <laughs> but you know, they know something at the level they're doing. They know one good decision at their massive level yeah. is worth millions, if Small not hundreds decisions. of millions. Yeah. And so I, I just think that's so interesting. It sounds maybe really light and corny to people, but it's actually very, very yeah. deep. I found Absolutely. it the same. But, but to get there, you got to grind. And I, I guess what yep. I want to tell from through different stages, right? You got to grind. You got to make those calls. You got to close those deals. But, but the, it changes. If you, if you start adding leverage in your business, leverage in your life, and yeah, you're going to level up. You're going to level up. You're going to be able to do that. So, as you know, right now, my team makes calls all the time. You know, we're, we're closing real estate agents and new clients and all these things every day. You know, I'm not making those calls anymore. I will get on a sales call every now and then because I like the challenge. And there's some of them people request, hey, I want to talk to Gus. Well, okay, well, you know, let's, let's talk, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it does happen every now and then. But, but that's no longer my role. That's not how I add value to the company anymore. I'm probably, I could probably still close leads. Well, with a couple of exceptions, I could close better than most of my guys, right? And not, maybe not anymore. Um, but that's not where I add the most value. That's yep, not going yeah. to move us. That's not going to make me a thousand person ISA company, which I aspire to become, right? I want to I wanna provide a great uh, a lifestyle and a great opportunity for a thousand people in, my, in, in here where I'm at in Mexico, right? Something and that's something that is the dream for me. And people love, you know, some people, I want to have zero employees and 90% profit margins. Well, that's great, right? Um, you know, to, to teach their own. I have, it's rewarding for me to, to achieve that. Like do that uh, for me. And that's something I want to leave. That's legacy for me. I mean, again, awesome. I didn't worry about legacy at the beginning. It was not my concern. You just worried about eating. My concern. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, but now, I'm like, okay, what else, right? What else is there? Uh, you know, what's the next? Thing? That's, that's great. awesome, Gus. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Before we close out, let people know how they can connect with you. And I guess what you want them to know about Power ISA. Yeah, absolutely. The best way to reach us, you know, if you're interested in continuing the conversation, my website, powerisa.com, and also on Facebook, right? You know, I talked all about Facebook today. I'm, I'm, I'm active on Facebook. I have a Facebook group. You know, I sent you guys a link. You can post it in there, a free Facebook group. People want to join to continue the conversation. We're always talking about real estate marketing and lead conversion. Now, awesome. Thanks okay. again for being here. Make sure to check out Power ISA. If you've got too many leads, you don't know what to do with them. If you can't call and text those leads 12 times in the first 30 days, what are you doing? Go check out Power ISA. Thank you so much for being here again. And thank you for listening. You can dive deeper into this episode, get all of those links that we mentioned, as well as the video over at staypaidpodcast.com. While you're there, we'd love it if you take a survey to help out the show. We'd love your, uh, your thoughts. Staypaidpodcast.com slash survey. And if you're looking for other ways to support the show, there's only two, two other ways we ask you to do that. First is to head on over to Apple Podcasts. Drop of a five-star review and leave a comment to let us know how we're doing. And the best way is to tell a friend about this episode. You can get hold of me or Luke at podcast at remindermedia.com or find us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, and I'm Luke Acree. And here's the action item for this episode is, look, the statistics out there show that like 50% of all leads go to waste. Inc. Magazine wrote an article that said like internet leads, it was as high as 78%. And when you look at it, everybody knows why, because you're not following up enough. It's like so obvious, you know it, you don't need me to tell you again. Here's the action item. Call your leads, or at least call and text your leads 12 times in 30 days. 
Like that is a very simple, practical action item that you can implement in your business that you're hearing from somebody that does this for a living, that they touch their leads 12 times in 30 days, six of them phone calls, six of them text messages. Apply that to your business. Remember this, the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single industry is top producers take action. Take action on that today. 